Hey, this is Pam Perry. Thank you again for joining us for Get Out There and Get Known podcast. I appreciate you every single week for joining us on this podcast. It does not go unnoticed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you. Today, we're going to be talking about Black media, and you know how I feel about Black media. Black media matters is more than a hashtag for me, just like Black Lives Matter is more than a hashtag for me, and Black Voices Matter is more than just a hashtag. It is my life, and Jaquinda Johnson is also part of her life as well. She's an award-winning journalist, and she's a founder of the Brown Media Group, an independent publishing company focusing on developing media products for the underserved and marginalized communities. So I love her. Her efforts in Flint include launching a youth journalism program and teaching Flint area youth newsroom skills, writing, graphic design, photography, videography. She is just doing all those things. So right after that, I'm going to bring her up and you will get a chance to meet this wonderful lady. All righty, here we go. Welcome to the Get Out There and Get Known podcast. Join Pam Perry, veteran PR strategist, Emmy award-winning producer and publisher of Speakers Magazine, who will show you how to crack the code in getting out there to get known. Each week, She either interviews her media friends, PR colleagues, or she just goes solo, offering you strategies on publicity, publishing, and platform building. So listen up to hear how to get booked on media places and on superstar stages. Now, here's your host, Pam Perry. Hey there. So like I was telling you, this young lady is the real deal. Not only is she like from the Detroit area, but she went to my alma mater as well. She went to Wayne State University. Give you a little bit. She's a part of NABJ. So, you know, I had a Neil Foote who was from NABJ. So I love all the folks in NABJ. Shout out to them. But give you a little bit of the formal bio. You can read it in the show notes later. But um, right now she serves as a publisher of Flint Beat and also is the content creator and founder of Black Like Us. Yes, she's an Emmy Award-winning producer and has been recognized by the Michigan Press Association for her solutions in journalism work. Uh, She's got 20 years experience, and when you look at her, you won't be able to say 20 years, including working for ML Live, that was one, Fox 46 in North Carolina, NBC's 25 affiliate stations in the Flint area, Detroit News, and two online magazines. She is really what I call a person who is taking their gifts, their passion to make a difference in the world. And so with that, I ring up to Quinda. Hey there. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I hope I didn't embarrass you, but I just love the work that you are doing. I just love the work that you're doing. And you've been doing this for 20 years. It does not look like you've been doing it. Anything yeah. for 20 years. You just I'm listen 25. So what? I've no. been out here for a minute. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you look good. You look good for your age. Not that 45 is old. Okay. We're not saying that. We just know black don't crack because I'm 61. So we're not, we're not even going to talk about that. Okay. Uh, But the main thing is that where did you get the heartbeat to do the work that you're doing? Because first of all, let me just tell everyone, when you are majoring in journalism in college, which she did, and she uh, was starting out in her career, Journalists, even though it's quote unquote a glamour field, it doesn't start out at the beginning with glamour dollars. And then the work that she's doing is not like she's doing it because of the money. 
is something that must be a chip in her of why she decided to use her journalism school, her journalism uh, career to make a difference. So I really want to hear that. And then to be in Flint as well, because everybody know what happened in Flint with the water and all of that kind of thing. So uh, tell us a little bit about the why or how it started for you. Um, I, I didn't start out to be a journalist. I thought I would be an accountant and then I would go to law school. What? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somewhere in there, I changed majors to communications. I'm a Flint girl, born and raised. Um, I ended up changing to communications and deciding to transfer to a school in Detroit, to Wayne State. Um, just to be connected, right? You know, Detroit is bigger than Flint, of course. There's more opportunities for internships and things like that. And being in communications, I was going into PR. You had to take a journalism 101 class. And that's how it happened. So journalism wow. found me. You know, really? I wasn't a newspaper girl prior to, I don't even know if I really paid attention to current news. But after that, it was just natural, God-given talent. Um, it's just my thing. Even when I try to leave, I always find my way back. <laughs> so, yeah. so when you when you were at Wayne State, were you in NABJ at that time, or were you working at any of the dailies Ooh, or so the long. school newspaper? Oh. Uh, I know when I was at Wayne, I worked at the South End. Okay, I that did was so. Yeah, so that yep. was the South End, and then there was WAYN, which is a radio station. But I knew mm -hmm. I didn't like when I really didn't like hard news when I worked at the radio station. I worked at WDT, which is an NPR station, the public station, because it was like what they had us do was like read the newspaper and then kind of like write those stories for radio. And I was like, this is so boring. I was like, yeah, this is so boring. And, and I just said, well, if the radio is just really basically like reading the newspaper, my first job was working at the free press. I said, well, that's where the real news comes from. I, I'm, I'm partial to print. So that's my thing. I'm partial to print. So, so that was really the main thing. So going to Wayne State, uh, being in journalism, coming from Flint, and then how did you get the, what I call like the activism buzz well, in terms of really trying to serve um, marginalized communities and underserved communities? It's funny because we have similar journeys, like Wayne State, then doing the student newspaper, the South End, right? I was editor. Mm -hmm. Ah. years, I was editor at the South End. I've also worked at the Free as yes. an intern, and then I ended up at Detroit News. I Initially, I never thought about journalism and activism. It's like this really thin line there, right? Because we advocate for quality news and not necessarily always an issue. Uh, but I, um, I left home for some time and decided I wanted to come back to Flint. I was living in North Carolina. And I just wanted to do something bigger than me, like something that just really had an impact. And Charlotte was not the place. And so I packed my family up and we moved back to Flint. And I started working back in the newsrooms in Flint and a water crisis hit the city. Ooh. And yeah. yeah, so I was at the thick of it. Like in 2014, they had, you know, transferred over to the water. And then when National hit, I was in the newsroom. Um, I was part of the news teams with the ongoing issues with the water before it caught national attention. And then right there in the middle of everything, when every, any every newsroom in this country was in Flint, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we were locally, we were already doing the work. And so I um, started, I ended up covering City Hall by chance for MLive Media Group for the Flint Journal. And I just started talking to people about 
what did they want to see in a news agency? What was missing? And that's how Flint Beat was born. And um, I decided when I did this thing, I was like, I don't really like saying people are voiceless because they have a voice. They just don't have a platform to be heard, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so, especially, especially Black people. Okay? Especially yeah. Black people, underserved so, communities, marginalized communities. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Let's yeah. keep it real. And so I decided to be that megaphone, like build out this platform, community first, and then everybody else. And so when we look at news here, that's who we're talking to. Like we're really trying to talk to the community, things they like, they don't like, things they want to see, and things that empower and impact and inform people here in Flint, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's been very fulfilling covering a place where I grew up. Um, I love it. You know, but I just want to keep growing and building out and developing more and more platforms. And Mm -hmm. that's how I know, you know, everyone can see Black like us, but that's kind of how that was born too. So one of the two questions, one, I believe you, your, your newspaper, your, your news outlet, but did you also have um, support, I guess you would say as a grassroots um, newspaper from, um, is it Google grants? I believe it is. So for Flint Beat, <laughs> funny enough, we 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 really started getting support after the death of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. That's when like money started spilling in, like just just coming check after check for initiatives for uh, Black communities. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then COVID hit, the pandemic hit, which also hit people of color pretty hard, according to medical experts, right? Right. And so that's when, because for four years, three years, I really worked it alone. Mm. I was working other jobs. I was trying to do Flint Beat at the same time. People would tell me, you know, good job, give me high fives, but I wasn't getting the money. And Mm. so it was a struggle. Like I, I, I was still, I was on aid at one point, you know, Mm -hmm. just trying to make this happen because I knew it was something I needed to do. It was not mm-hmm. an easy journey. So mm-hmm. in 2020, that's when we really started getting support. Um, we got support from the Facebook Journalism Project, oh, um, okay. Google News Initiative, Borealis Philanthropies, Racial Equity and Journalism Fund, um, our local community foundation. So that's really when I was able to build out a team. So I went from a team of one and in one year to like a team of six. Wow. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. That is a lot. Really, that is a lot. And so a lot of the initiatives, all the work that you were doing, you showed the footprint of the good journalism. So just so that you know, it's not like it was some kind of rag, right? It was like right. really, really substantial. Right. So in order for them to fund it, they saw that the beginning when you were just starting and you were struggling that this was a good product. It just needed support. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just so, this is, it's, it's almost like teary because it's just like, I can just, that's what real journalism should be about. I wish every journalist that um, now thinks they're quote unquote, a celebrity will then get back to the heartbeat of what you're doing to it because it's not about them. It's not even about the news outlet, but it's about the people that they're serving with the platform that they have. And they're allowing that voice. And so, so many times this podcast, Get Out There, Get Known, is really for people to get into the media, get out there into the media and get known. But I always warn them, it's like, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known 
what do you want people to know about you? And so I always say, if it's just about you, they ain't, me ain't going to care. Yeah. And, and if it's just something that you just want to sell, take out an ad. <laughs> it's like, that's the ad department, you know? So, so the whole point of it is it's the stories that you're telling and the stories that you tell makes a difference to the community. So talk about some of the stories that you unearth versus um, like if you were working, not, not to put any shade on any of the other major outlets, you know, that are out mm-hmm. there or whatever, but the, the mainstream media cover things that really matter to the mainstream. So talk about how yours are different and what kind of stories that you uncover on we, a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. We don't go from it as an ap- approach of um, clicks. Um, we go for quality and impact, which makes a big difference. So mm-hmm. there are certain stories that we don't chase. Like we don't really cover gun violence or crime and shootings. We don't show up at yellow tape. We mm-hmm. co- cover the issue itself. We cover the community impact, but we are not usually reporting, you know, X, Y, and Z got shot on the north side of Flint, right? Mm-hmm. But we will do some in-depth reporting of this issue in Flint and solutions that other communities have uh, used in order to decrease whatever the problem is, right? Mm-hmm. But that's just being part of the community and keeping your ear to the ground to know what they're looking for and what they're wanting. And we find that that works for us. Uh, we just... I remember getting a call about not coming to a press event and it's from a resident. And I asked them, I said, well, was the Flint journal there? They said, yes. I said, was NBC there? And I was like, yeah. I said, ABC. They said, yeah. I said, what did you want me to do? You know? And so, because we're digging a little deeper Mm -hmm. and, you know, looking at this community in a whole, like we want some whole journalism, some well-rounded reporting instead of just focusing on, one issue and throwing it in their face something they already know that's going on. And I pride myself in that. And I think that's what keeps us connected to the community because Mm -hmm. we just take things a little, a step further sometimes, but we have the time and, and we're just covering Flint. My other newsrooms, they're covering the whole County. We're focused just on one municipality within this County. And so I think sometimes that makes it easier. So we have probably the most reporters in the city of Flint covering the city because of that. We're not covering the outlining communities. Right. But right. we really pride ourselves in being able to just focus on Flint and Flint's needs. I love um, that. So we, t- we cover a ton of stories. Um, we compete with, you know, some of our local peers here. We compete on national levels um, when it comes to news coverage. We partner with a ton of newsrooms. We partner with New York Times. Okay. Um, we've partnered with the trace.org, which covers gun violence in the nation, the Center for Public Integrity, uh, Frontline PBS. You know, we are a newsroom that works on strong partnerships to build capacity and to cover this place that I grew up in that I really, really love. Um, So so one of the people that um, is there now, she worked with the city. Her name is Dawn Moore or Dawn Jones, I guess you would say. Dawn Jones. Dawn Jones. And she's from the Detroit area. Obviously, you know that as well. But she's one of the ones that's up in Flint. Do you ever um, run in with her or do any stories or collaborations with Dawn Jones? If you no. said that was a maiden name, but Dawn Jones. Dawn is a different animal because she's been in the business for so long that she she basically 
makes her way. She shapes what she does in media. <laughs> and she's in TV, very well respected in this community. And she worked um, for the, I think she worked for the mayor at one point. She was in um, the communications director. Okay. Yeah, Dawn is more of a, like you look up to Dawn, you you know, the work that she's done and where mm -hmm. she's at in her career. And she's more of an inspiration mm -hmm. um, to be able to have such a long standing career in news. And so we haven't collaborated, but we do know each other. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a small circle here in Flint, and so we're we're all together in this and trying to make it happen, especially Black journalists mm -hmm. um, trying to support each other. And so, yeah, yeah Dawn is like she's like history. Still <laughs> so see. So I feel like I'm history because it's like Dawn is like up here. We started out together. You are. Oh my god, <laughs> you are. And I was just saying, you know, before we got on that, I've been watching you for years, like. So when it came, this opportunity came, I, I was excited, right? Because oh, that's because of the work that you're doing. I see so much in what you're doing, and I don't see enough journalists doing that. No, no, you know, Karen Hunter does what she does on Sirius XM. Um, Roland does what he does on his Black Star Radio. You know, mm -hmm. Boyce Watkins does. But when you are doing the things with the print and really having the reporters, what they call the roving reporters, Right. I always tell people, I says, you know, there's not a lot of roving reporters. They're not looking for stories, but you guys actually look for stories yeah, and, 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 and really go in deeper with that, which is what we're taught. Like as journalists, like there, you had to have an inquisitive mind, you know, yeah. you have to be inquisitive mind. I was something that, that, so we went to Wayne state and Wayne state, you know, it's not an HBCU. It just happened to be in the city, but it was mostly uh, Caucasians there, right? We were a small percentage, maybe 10, maybe 20%. Mm -hmm. But you to be the editor of the South End was pretty major. Tell me about that experience. I don't you keep asking me, so this is 20 years ago now. Because <laughs> um, I want to know if it was different for you when, when no. I, you know, because it was so white. It was just- It was so very white. white. Okay. <laughs> it was very white. 20 years later. And then if you go back there today, has it changed still? It's like, what? when is this- I don't know if it's changed. I was at Wayne State sometime late 2019 or so, mm -hmm. or early 2020, and I didn't really get to see the makeup. I just know they don't print five days a week anymore. When right. I was there, it was Monday through Friday. Definitely. Everything's online now, you know, like like we're online. Um, I did meet a couple young ladies who worked for went for the South End, and they were people of color, but not black. Um, so I don't know, but it was very white, you know, I, I had challenges there, um, with race issues and my peers. I did too. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's, that's the industry in general, right? This is a it very, is. very white industry. But you, you know, would think like, being in an urban center that it would be different. It's not. And, and that's why organizations like NABJ have been around for 40 plus years or so mm -hmm. because of that when i was yeah. at Wayne, there was um nabj there was uh association of black communicators there was national association of media women we we're always national but those were those kind of organizations where we could really talk about why we're doing communications in the first place right. and how we can get our voices heard and right. our stories told and so i really just appreciate what you're doing because if if it wasn't for you doing the work that you did, one, you're probably opening the doors for other journalists, younger journalists, to do the things that they're doing so they can actually see like what their purpose is. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I just really, really appreciate that. There was, um, I want to say it was Lion Publishers. Maybe it wasn't Lion Publishers. I'm on the board for Lion Publishers. Yeah. So explain to them what Lion Publishers does. <laughs> Lion Publishers is an organization that supports independent publishers, independent newsrooms. Mm -hmm. um, I think, oh, don't quote me. It's a couple hundred of us in the organization right now. Okay. Um, it's any independent newsroom. So it's not based on race or ethnicity. Okay. So um, it, it, and it really supports us trying to the rebirth of local news, right? Yes. Um, yes. And so a ton of partnerships, tools, and resources. Because when I started this, and Lion was one of the first organizations I joined. And oh, so okay. when I started this as a publisher, I literally thought I was out there by myself. And then I happened to be a black woman who launched a news agency to cover a whole city. Like, I don't just cover black people. I'm a media influencer in a city where we cover white people, the Latino population. Sometimes we produce things in Spanish, the Arab population, the Asian population, mm -hmm. any resident in Flint. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like I was out there by myself and doing some Google searches. I was trying to find organizations and Lion found me. Um, uh, okay. So I joined, I've been a member since I kicked off in 2017 and they've been a great benefit. You know, um, we're also members of the Institute for Nonprofit News, okay, which is also a great resource. So we're members of NABJ, the local media association, mm -hmm. but some of these things, not NABJ, of course, but some of these organizations I found out about through Lion. Okay. Um, and they managed, want to mm -hmm. yeah. support grassroots newsrooms and yeah. that's really community news because that's really the heartbeat of how we know everything. People think it's social media, but really the journalists are the ones like are really vetting the sources mm -hmm. <laughs> so so that people aren't in trouble with libel and all the kind of stuff. But right. anyway, uh, the, the thing that um, is really interesting too is that you did the lion and your NABJ and all the different ones. There's another organization, NNPA, which is a National Association of Newspapers Publishers. And NNPA, mm -hmm. yeah, National Association of Newspaper Publishers. And so that is really uh, the Black newspapers as a conglomerate, how they all group together. Mm -hmm. And so Dr. Ben Chavis is over that as, um, as one of the people that... Um, was on is in that he was on the cover of speakers magazine the magazine that i published as well he's a great speaker and you know he's one of the people that helped start million man march so nmpa is one where it's roughly about 300 newspapers and i guess you could say they're community newspapers but what i find that they're legacy papers in terms of um Maybe their grandfather started, then they handed it down. Mm -hmm. Maybe the son is running. Maybe the grandson is running at this point. So a lot of times they struggle for financial reasons. Um, and so they can't do as much as they, they don't have as many reporters. So you have six. You have probably a larger staff than most of the other black newspapers in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'm part of a group of a number of teams that work on these problems that we have with our legacy black owned news agencies and trying to get some of them to kind of transition to embrace the digital age. Mm -hmm. uh, so I get it. And I'm fully aware of the organization. I follow them on Facebook. Um, I'm friends with some people that's running some legacy newsrooms as they try to navigate this. But in addition to that, it's just, 
it just being fully transparent. I launched my news agency. Didn't nobody give me a dime, right? I've had white peers that also launched at the same time. They got six figures. And so without product, right? And so as a, a black founder, we have those challenges. As women, we have those challenges when it comes to financial support. We always have to prove ourselves and go above and beyond in order just to get a little. Mm-hmm. You know, even when we're doing the work, even when we're showing up all the time, producing great quality work, it's just not that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, or not knowing things, like not having certain information about things you need to have in place in order to make this business sustainable. Yeah. So it's a challenge and, and it's taking some time, but we're all behind the scenes working together, trying to figure it out. It's been a ton of meetings and phone calls and text messages, you know, Facebook, the Facebook journalism project, they have invested in uh, newsrooms with led by people of color, you know, along, like I said, Boreas Philanthropy with the Racial Equity and Journalism Fund. They have also invested in newsrooms for people of color. And so there is support out there now. It's just, you really have to be ready to embrace the digital age. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, they're not supporting print. Mm-hmm. They're just mm-hmm. not. And I get it. It's costly. We don't know where to be tomorrow. And so we have to really work to make that transition. It's just, what does that look like? It's just not that easy when you've been in the business for 30 years and you've been printing. You can't yeah. just push the button and say, I'm going to do internet now. Like, that's not <laughs> right, right? No, because it's like, right. what do you mean I need an email list? Can I just hit select all and send? Right. Like, no, no, no. You Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Right. So, so, so one of the yeah. things, too, is that I would really like, so someone like Gregory Lee, I had him on the podcast maybe about three or about two podcasts ago. And so Greg was on the board of NABJ. He's at the Boston Globe. He is the uh, one of the managing editors, assisting manager editors there. And so he hasn't started his own, but what he does is because he's an African-American at the Boston Globe and in, in management, he um, can have a little bit more wiggle room. So he partnered with a black um, TV station, OTT mm-hmm. TV station in the community where all of the black journalists at the Globe. I'm sure it's probably not more than 20. It's probably about 10, probably a handful. (laughs) But they have a monthly TV show where they talk about issues for the community. So it's almost like a micro within the Globe. But Mm -hmm. I would definitely would love for you and Gregory Lee to, um, if you don't know him, for you all to connect because Mm -hmm. he's a very big collaborator. collaborator, And he could see your mission. He started, um, he went to HBCU I want to say Grambling, but I, I don't want to start naming the wrong school. He'd be like, no, I didn't. Uh, but I know it was down south. And But one of the things is that he says that because he is in the position where he is, he not was just in journalism, but also in management. So he can make, he's worked in the advertising department. He's worked in digital for a long time. And so that part of the resources that they put behind that digital part is really what mainstream newspapers are doing. And mm-hmm. so I just want our NMPA newspapers, um, black newspaper, black media to really embrace that as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things, that, and then I'm going to let you go, is that you have a TV background. And so you're doing the print, what I call it print, but the, the, the um, yeah, I guess it's print. Well, I guess it's yeah, we, we, we still say print, even though this we know we don't print, print yeah, right? It's just, it's just the same 
we run a newsroom the same mentally. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. That's what that's why I say sprints. So yeah. do you have a TV component yet for um black like us bulletin.com or so this is funny. So really quick, because I know we, you know, have 30 minutes to get all this in. Uh, we do and we don't. So we do video. I am okay. a producer. We do video. I won an Emmy this year for the work, but yeah. we aired on Facebook. Oh, okay. So we won an Emmy for Aaron on Facebook. And so... <laughs> That is so different. From it was, was different, cool, because, right? Like it was because like, the other nominees, it was like TV station, TV station, Facebook, right? And so, <laughs> which I thought was bomb. I thought it was cool because we're embracing these platforms. But me and my videographer Jamal Bransford, you know, we we even with Black Like Us, we travel the country and we produce video stories, but they air on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I was wondering if that did that. I mean, because there's just a lot of online TV uh, stations that uh, uh, now here's is it now here's this or yeah we uh, so we don't call it TV. We just produce video stories. Video stories. Like, I would okay. love to develop it further. Like we're looking at that and what mm-hmm. it looks like for us. And so I am getting ready in the near future, very near future, launching something for Flint Beat. Oh, when we bring on a full-time videographer. But yeah, so I, I'll keep you all posted as I develop this thing out, but I'm excited. I mean, I you want to end me off Facebook. That's that is <laughs> that is amazing. But but if it's good, it's good. So it doesn't matter yeah. the platform. I mean, yeah. it could be on Roku, it could be it could be on TikTok. I mean, yeah. you know what so these are the exciting times and your background using all the background from your from your experiences has led to this point. And um, I just commend you for doing the work. If people want to give you news tips, where would they send them? And how? what kind of news tips are you looking for? Okay, so for Flint, it's hyperlocal. It is team at flintbeat.com. Okay. If it's anything for Black Like Us, it's jaquanda, J-I-Q-U-A-N-D-A at blacklikeus.org. Okay. All right. And that is stories about the black narrative in America, like all the cool things we do that people don't think of. Like I've done a rocket scientist, a commercial fisherman, you know, and so it's all those stories that may not get picked up in mainstream media mm-hmm. that we know we do. We know we're so diverse just as a group mm-hmm. of people. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And the other one is anything is Flint. <laughs> right, right. Anything is right. Flint. Anything is Flint. Black, black, or black or white or, you know, any. Yeah, any it doesn't matter. Color. For yeah. Black Like Us. So with Black History Month coming up, do you have any special events that you're speaking at or anything special that you're a part of or that you're doing? Yeah, I don't have any special events that I'm speaking of that I could think of, but we are doing this whole initiative to support Black businesses throughout Black History Month. So there'll be a lot of video posts and love for my Black-owned businesses on Black oh, Like Us. Yes. Yeah. So um, if, if anyone follows my Verify page, it's just my first name, Jaquanda, on Facebook. You can check out that engagement mm-hmm. as we support these businesses. I just feel like this is something that we really, really need to do. Yeah. So oh, that is good. Give my that, dollar. Yeah. That's, that is so important. That's how the community grows. That is, um, you know, why we stand on the shoulders of the people who um, were behind us, you know, some of my mentors that I think about, Sam Logan from the Michigan Chronicle was mm-hmm. always just, uh, he wasn't a, a newspaper guy from the standpoint of a journalist. He was actually from the advertising department, but that's why that paper really had the vision that he did. He saw it from just 
two different areas. Obviously, he loved the news, the black community, but he also knew about how to manage it and and do the events and all that kind of stuff. So he's really a, a visionary in terms of that. So, you know, bless his soul, you know, because he was just one of the ones that 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 carried that that legend for yeah. black newsprint for a long time. And then the Afro uh, is still in D.C. Yeah, so that's one that's prints all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my um, uh, the Chicago. Someone just said to me, you know, there's two black radio stations um, that are black owned by black women. Uh, WVON in Chicago, you know, it's kind of like our little sister city to, you know, the Michigan right. Detroit area, and then WURD, uh, w- yeah, yeah, WURD Word, and that's yeah. in Philly. Yeah. That's so Sarah, w- right? Yeah. yeah. Well, next week, see, I know Sarah. That's mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So those are the two, and so you know, they're out there doing the work, and I always tell my um, clients or even anyone who wants to get into media to please, you want media support, support Black media, you know, mm-hmm. support them. If you see a story, share it on your timeline. If uh, retweet it, uh, tell other people about it, support them financially if you can. Uh, mm-hmm. There was something that just was recently, I want to say Word in Black. Uh, yeah, Word in Black. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I subscribed to that. I mean, it was not like I need another newsletter, but you know. <laughs> But I did. I subscribed to it because I want to support it. Right. So if you, the whole thing of it is, is just support. Don't just support during Black History Month, but support 24-7. If you're a Black person, you're Black 24-7. So support 24-7. 24-7. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. So mm-hmm. I just love that. So blacklikeus.bulletin.com. And then in a few weeks, we'll have the show notes up as well. And so Ready, Set, Go, just so you know, Jaquanda, is one of the um, the programs that I have that helps people get media ready. It just helps them get media ready, ready for print, ready for stages, ready for broadcasts, just helping them get ready to speak, to tell their story. So I go over marketing, PR and branding, all those type of things that um, that really make sure that you are ready. So if they do pitch you a story that they sound correct, that they know what they're doing, that they provide you with the right materials and all that kind of things, because, you know, you're trying to pull pictures and they're sending you iPhone photos. Right. <laughs> It's like, no, we don't need that. We want real pictures. So anyway, so that's what we kind of go through. Ready, set, go speak to really show them from beginning to end how to uh, really maneuver and and manage the media and really get get out there and get known. So that's what that's all about. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. There is, um, oh, John Artis said, great information. He's from over there at Facebook. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, John. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So it's one of the things. So again, blacklikeus.bulletin.com and the other one, the Flint Beat, is hyperlocal. It's for Flint only. And she's out here doing the darn thing. So thank thank you you so much for joining us. And I will... Yes, and I would tell Dawn that you guys are just need to like have lunch sometimes. <laughs> it's like that's a cool person. I'm a split. I know you all can have lunch sometimes. So all right. But anyway, but thank you so much for joining us and I will talk with you soon. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Get Out There and Get Known Podcast, brought to you by PamPerryPR.com where you'll get insider tips on how to build your platform, pitch the media, and promote yourself with confidence. Head over to PamPerryPR.com and get the exclusive video training on the seven must-have marketing materials you need before you pitch in order to be considered in media places or superstar stages. PamPerryPR.com, where you help you shine like a superstar.